Good evening from Dubai, and I formally want to welcome all uh, the participants who are here today. Thank you for investing uh, your 60 minutes with us, and we'll uh, try and make it worth your while. We are going to have loads of fun because we have a very interesting panel of speakers who are drawn in from uh, different parts of the world. We have John Scott, who's based in New York. We have Arnaud, who's come in from France. And we have Rajiv Daswani, who I like to call the local lad, and uh, also a very inspiring uh, friend uh, that I have here in Dubai. Um, so uh, let me just reintroduce myself. My name is Sharad Agarwal. I am the founder of OnlyWebinars.com. And as some of you might know, OnlyWebinars is a post-COVID creation. And uh, today we have uh, north of 300 people who've registered to participate in this uh, webinar. And they are from uh, 30 odd countries. So we truly have a global audience. And uh, we look forward to uh, engaging with you. So feel free to use the chat or the Q&A tab anytime uh, to post your questions, comments. And uh, the good thing about today's webinar is that it is not scripted. And I promise you that there, there are no presentations, there are no speeches and nobody's preaching anything. We are going to share our life's learnings with you. We are going to help you create your own roadmap, right, going forward. We perhaps might provide you a compass at best and then you got to figure out where you are and where you want to go. So uh, we'll get started right away. And I'll ask each one of our speakers to please introduce themselves. And then uh, we will get to the business on hand. So let me throw the ball to you, John Scott. Great, thanks, Sharad. I'm John Scott Turco. I'm based in New York and Paris and Dubai, frankly. Uh, those are my three cities. And I've been a management consultant and organizational psychologist for 25 plus years, working primarily across uh, several verticals, including banking, fashion, uh, manufacturing, and a host of others. My, uh, my passion in work is to connect people with their purpose and to make sure that they're aligned with who they are, what they do, and how they show up authentically uh, every day. So happy to be here. Super. Arnaud, you want to go next? Sure. Thanks, Sharat. I'm John. Thanks, Georgie. Very happy to be here. Uh, I spent the last 20 years in 30 different countries, last 15 years in U.S., um, four years in Japan, one year in China. Last three years, I was very much involved with uh, the Middle East, Dubai, and all around as well, mostly as a coach, as a trainer, and uh, as an as inspiring event producer. And now we're back in France, and we're launching an online training company for mental health and inspiration. Amazing. Rajiv. Hi, everyone. So I'm Rajiv Daswani, the founder of a happiness coaching center here in Dubai. Been in business for over 20 years. Um, I've done, as an entrepreneur, I've set up engineering companies. And then I decided to step into well-being. And uh, the word happiness popped up, guys. And everyone was like, oh, happiness. That sounds interesting. Well-being. Hmm, very interesting. And uh, the pandemic happened. And now we all understand why well-being is so, so important. And uh, that's why we are here to ask that question, Sharad. What's next? How do we Absolutely. deal with this? Yes, and that's a question that everybody is asking. And you know, nobody really has the answer because there is no CEO on this planet who was prepared for the pandemic, right? Not even one. So it's taken all of us by surprise. And I think all of us are figuring out what's next in our own way. So I'm going to bounce it back to maybe John Scott and ask you what have been your biggest learnings uh, post COVID? Great, thanks, Sharad. I think it's been an interesting, uh, to put it mildly, year plus for all of us. And as I work with my clients uh, around the world over this past year, there's been a dramatic evolution in, in their mindset as to the initial knee jerk a year ago from now, in uh, late, let's say late May, was we need everybody back in the office as soon as possible. And my, uh, I remember vividly conversations with clients where I would lean into the Zoom, which for them was pretty new back then. Uh, and I would say, you know, it's over. I said, you need to think of a new paradigm. You need to think of new ways to engage your teams, clients, and really address the brand new ways of working. And if you lean into that 
and you take the opportunity to really listen and to learn and grow, you really have some opportunities and they present themselves. And I'm happy to say, uh, aside from all the heartache and loss and, and things that we've all experienced around the world this past year, many clients and companies and people that we've all talked about several times amongst ourselves here on the panel, they've taken the opportunity to really expand their mindset beyond where it was or where we could have ever predicted they would be. So that's been a real key point. And I wanna make sure for, the, for those who are in attendance that you know that our purpose is not in this call to parrot, uh, you know, it's a brand new world. And it, you know, we really want to drill down in terms of your mindset and actions that you can walk away tangibly with a new way of looking at things and maybe take action in a way that's purposeful and impactful for you and for your team. So uh, I really, I, I appreciate the opportunity uh, to share this with you. What do you think, Rajiv? What's on your mind for you right now? Well, I, I, I love, I love what you're talking about. And I, you know, I echo the word purpose there. You know, you and I are very closely connected to that word. But now more than ever, I think for organizations and for leaders and for everyone out there, regardless of whether you are, you know, you are a CEO in an organization, you work in an organization, you know, even if you're doing your own thing, it, it's, you know, finding that intrinsic, you know, inspiration that drives you. And it, nothing can be bigger to any of us at this point in time than really asking that question, why? Why are we doing what we're doing? How are we connecting to that, you know, that magical word? You know what, what always scares me, guys, and I throw this out to all of you as well and, and to everyone attending today, is a lot of people have thrown this word around. And, and it's somewhat, it's picked up a lot of buzz, right? So, ah, what's your purpose? But, but the question that, that I think we need to really ask ourselves is, not only why are we here, but how can we use that why to inspire us to actually move us into some actions so that we can then really look at this what's next and say, okay, how do we roll up our sleeves and move forward now that we know why we're doing what we're doing? What do you guys think? I'm not. Yeah. Um, so I, I just break it down in six things for me. Uh, what has changed from what experiments with our clients and uh, and myself and everyone I know, uh, six things. First is, it's really a global world. We've been talking talking about it forever and ever, but now I see small company for the very first time because of digital becoming global. They were only selling in their region, so now there's no one who's only local. Doesn't exist. It seems ninety percent of the company. Two. It, it's been said in a different way, but <clears throat> from now on, we have to manage differently with the why of every employee, of course, and then with the semi-remote work habit that we're instilling in everyone. Managing differently means taking some time to listen to each of the employee, each of your teammates, and giving the time they want, which means in my case, how to, as a CEO, how to accelerate empathy within yourself or people you know. And if some of the managers, I know it seems we, more than the half of the attendees are CEOs, if you need to teach empathy to some of your manager because they just don't know, teach them. There's actually close to that. I also saw uh, three more things. One is, and it's been said by Rajiv and John as well, is now, since all of us are so busy, we're finding our why, finding new business, we need to find a way quickly to find more energy within ourselves and for more of our, our employees, right? So we need to, just as we track accounting, we need to track what gives us energy now and forever for us and each employee. If it's so, some of them, it's to walk in nature or playing chess or playing with kids, whatever it is. But we need to know what's the pushing point for each of the employee to, to have more energy. One more thing that changed during the COVID, it's the acceleration of coaching in residence. I have done that for one of the company here in France, Bordeaux, which means all of you can take a local coach, have him work part-time once a week for a few hours in your company, physically, or remotely and spend 30, 20 to 30 minutes per employee in doing just active listening. Why are you doing it? Helps the guy, helps your company, helps the world. 
and will bring guarantee more productivity. So I see an acceleration of coaching and residence program across the world. And finally, with my business, we see the acceleration, of course, of digital learning like we're doing now. The COVID accelerated digital learning training by 50%. Mm. This is the sixth thing I've seen during the, the, the COVID during the year. Great. Yeah, if I may that. jump in, uh, sorry, John, if I may just jump in um, on the digital front, because as you guys know, my day job is cyber gear and I've been in the digital field for like 25 plus years. So I have firsthand witnessed the digital acceleration that people keep talking about. So I'm not talking about a McKinsey study or a Bain study. I'm giving you firsthand experience. Earlier, we used to get maybe three, four, five new leads a week, right? Of people who wanted to go digital. That has exploded exponentially, I would say. Everybody wants to go digital and everything is digital. If you want to sell a car today, you better know how to do it digitally, right? If you are a doctor, you better know how to consult online. And if you are a restaurant, you better prepare the ghost uh, kitchens because everybody is not going to come to dine in, right? But you still need to survive and generate revenue. So uh, let's forget about the traditional ways of doing business because those will not work anymore, right? right? We just have to adapt to the new ways and not only adapt for the sake of adapting, uh, do our own analysis, create new business models with the new realities of life and work towards that. We are more likely to succeed in that scenario, rather than continue to do things the way we used to. John Scott, I know you want to jump in. Yeah, absolutely. Thanks, um, Arnaud and, and Sharada and Rajiv. I think we're, we're, we're all aligned in this. And I think I look at this from a, from, a, from a bifurcated approach, right? So in terms of how are we feeling and how are we engaging teams? And really, what is the strategy? How can this translate to strategy and actionable um, business practices and you know you just touched on it uh just now which is new ways of working and i think of cars and uh, and actually simon sinek too which is infinite versus finite ways of working so the model that we've all adapted now hopefully is an infinite mindset which which is we're learning as we go we're learning and expanding versus finite mindset which is we're just behaving based on old paradigms and old information so how do we take this infinite mindset and take it forward. And we do that, we've done that with COVID, with COVID because we've had to, right? We've had to learn because no one had a plan. There was no plan. I have yet to find an organization that had a pandemic plan that said, yeah, this has gone right to plan. No, I've not heard it at all. So how can we take this and learn? I have a few of my clients, I was talking to a CFO down on Wall Street last week and reminding him of our conversation about a year ago where he, he had said, you know, we, uh, we're going to lose everything because we are not equipped to be remote. No one is prepared for this. And guess what? His team has performed exceptionally well. The challenge for him is to how do you how to harness that performance and, and really think, as we've been saying and as we say today, what's next? How do you, how do you engage your teams and their, and their, their you know, subgroups, N minus one, N minus two, and, and cascading down to really perform in the new paradigm and brand new, I have this little sheet here, brand new ways of working, right? So how do we look at this now specifically? Because it's great to talk about how people feel and how they're behaving and how we can engage them. And these are all critically important for leaders and for organizations. And how do we drive this from a strategic business perspective going forward? So I think an infinite mindset is critical. And I think we've also learned, and I'll, I'll wrap up on this point and kick it over back to you guys, really looking at radical trust. How do we take teams that we weren't sure if this one or that one, guess what? They've all proven or, or not proven their ability to perform and to adapt. And our organizations have done as well. So how do we engage in that kind of duality of strategy and purposeful movement forward organizationally and trust? How does that mesh together to help drive the future of our organization? How does that land with you, uh, Rajiv? You know what? Well, I mean, absolutely. I, I mean, there's, there's gold in some of the things you've said. And while you were saying that earlier, you know, I don't know if you guys can see this, but as aligned as we always are, it, it just starts 
it always, this is now a reality for everyone, is how can we start to humanize organizations? We talk about radical trust, we talk about bringing in, but, and organizations do this, a lot of meetings, with, if you guys remember before pandemic, a lot of organizations say, listen, we do this, we check in with our people. But the check-in is really, it used to be pretty superficial. How's your day? Good, okay, let's go on, right? I mean, it was very fast. Today, that doesn't work because when you ask someone how you're doing, you know, whether they're sitting, they're working from home, they might have people out there who are not well, they may be dealing with some serious concerns and, and you have to show up as a human. Every organization, now regardless of what you do, and, and Sherrod, adding to your point there, as we try to move into this digital era where we have to connect with the digital world, we still have to bring this new element of the humanizing of organizations. That means looking at our stakeholders. So back to your point, John Scott, trust is radical trust is really emitting from the nucleus of the organization and the CEO all the way through the organization to the point where we can create impact, a bigger, grander, better impact for us all. Now, when we say that, it sounds, it sounds really difficult to achieve. There are steps we can take, right? So even the small step, like I started saying, not only been checking in, but saying, okay, meeting everyone where they're at. First and foremost, you know, it's, it's everyone, people, have you noticed people who like to pull you along, right? You'll see people going, no, no, you have to go this way. Not everyone's ready to move there yet. So meet them where they're at, both emotionally, meet them emotionally. And that means that bring emotions, bring emotions now to work. You know, there was a poll done, guys, and I throw this out to everyone here. I'm very curious to know what the audience thinks of this, but there was actually a poll done when they asked organizations, what was, um, what was your thought on bringing emotions to work? You know, because, you know, in the olden days, it was something which is, no, 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 you don't do that. And most majority of people who answered that, who were regular, the working, uh, working uh, uh, folk, they said they welcomed emotions at work. They actually wanted to express them. They felt that when they were, when they were subduing them, it was just, it was building up unnecessary stress, right? If managers were like, okay, we could also live the post of show the management was okay showing Trust. It means that people are ready to show emotions at work, and this will bring vulnerability. It will bring trust, radical trust. So throwing that out there, reinforcing that. I'd like to, if it's okay with you guys, uh, to, to look at the chat because George has some questions. Uh, Laura has some questions as well. And I think, you know, let's, let's just go chronologically. So George was asking about the biggest opportunities in a post-COVID world. And I think that it's looking, uh, it's interesting, other opportunities that, uh, that are at the highest level those that are affecting most people. So cybersecurity, chatbots, AI. So the, the convergence of uh, business and technology is a place that I really love to play and we all do. We've talked about this many times when the four of us met in Dubai. Um, how do we look at this? And I think it's really interesting. The, it's not just a healthcare operations, but how do we look at this in a way to your question, George, um, and teams ready to be motivated. It's very funny. Certainly the world needs water coolers. <laughs> how do we do that? And that's really a critical piece. How can we foster a culture that's engaging and motivating and, and purpose-driven as well as just social? And it's a challenge that we're all facing. I know my, uh, my son began a new company, uh, working with a new company, and they have uh, digital happy hours. And uh, they all get together at four o'clock on a Friday once a month. And it's just everyone's on screen. It's very active. And I think it's, uh, it's, you know, that's how they're attempting to do it. We all have our own ways. So I wonder when we look at this, um, and Laura's asking about survival was 2020, and now we're looking at this infinite mindset. How do we go about this uh, when the change is constant? But I'm reminded, and I'll, I'll, I'll close on this point for this, of Jack Welch's point, which is, you know, when the pace of change outside of organization is faster than inside, the end is near. Well, guess what? The pace of change outside is frenetic and rapid and, and all over the place. And the pace of change inside, from what I've seen, is similarly frenetic and very, very fast. So we are, we are solving problems. We are moving at very fast, rapid succession towards problems and solutions. And organizations that will thrive in this new world going forward will have a plan. Uh, the, the, what I said to my client last year was it's over. Like everyone in the office all the time for the purpose of being in the office uh, is, has to be modified. When we look at talent, and we look at performance from an organizational perspective, we're looking at large organizations. Google just announced, Twitter had announced it previously. They are decentralized. They are working remotely. How does that, how do they affect their corporate culture? Because that's one of the biggest things. I've been to Google's offices many times uh, down in, in Manhattan downtown. And it's the culture there is centered around, you know, the amazing lunch and uh, that they provide for their teams and all the other things uh, in terms of the work teams and collaboration and, and the 
uh, impromptu conversations. And that's a real challenge for organizations going forward. How do they really, how do they engage? Thanks everyone for their questions. Uh, I'll invite the guys to jump in. I'm gonna look at the chat as well. You touched uh, John Scott on, you know, uh, on the speed at which uh, companies are able to reinvent themselves. Uh, my favorite um, question that I ask companies here is very simple. How fast is your company? Right? So it's not about how big is your company and speed matters because you have to be as fast as your customer, right? Your customer is one moment on Twitter, the next on Clubhouse and then on Facebook. So do you have the wherewithal, the technology, the omni-channel solution, so to say, to move at the speed at which the customer is moving, right? Because now you don't have that manpower that you used to have earlier to track that progress. So you, you better use the right technology to work at the same speed of the customer. So I think that's a new challenge as well that organizations have to prepare themselves for. Mm -hmm. Arnold, you want to say something? Yeah, does it, does it, does it work uh, at my... Yeah. My, my, uh, yes. Yeah. I mean, to answer your question, <laughs> good, it's working the paper. For me, it's all about system thinking, right? We've been speak, speaking about system thinking, Harvard Business Schools, and the top INSEAD of Europe for years. But now, again, we ha just have to think in terms of ecosystem, right? Product, for the very first time, I was at ISC Business School in uh, 2012, and they say, for the very first time, innovation cannot be every 10 years. It has to be every three years. Now, post-pandemic, they say innovation has to be now every three months, every three months. And the very difference in terms of innovation, because it's systemic, because it's different ecosystem, not only innovation has to happen every three months, it has to happen with maybe two or three products at the same time. No one has the luxury to just work on one product because some new guy faster than ever can, can surpass you in a garage somewhere, not, not just in San Francisco now, can be globally. So because of system thinking for me, it's a way to, to learn on how to think with ecosystem to build more product, more product faster, to learn to work using the work, the, the, the word of, uh, of John, with radical trust. Because of that, you need to fire people faster than ever if it doesn't work, or quit your team. Even though I'm one of the pioneers in the chief happiness officer training in the world, yet uh, I've launched my startup two months ago. One of the, uh, one of the team, web marketing team, doesn't get me, doesn't work, doesn't go fast enough, maybe because it's France and not US, I don't know. And I'm like, we can't work together. It doesn't work. And I prefer we say now than 12 months down the line. And, and if you're not on the same energy wave, right? If you're not on the same uh, vision, it's better say it now. Half, there is a, a book in America, very famous, I'm sure John, you know, called you know, the, the book about hard conversation, right? How to have hard conversation. The timing is now uh, much, uh, much more, what's the word? Much, right, it's now more than ever, we need to have those hard conversation because if people don't have the same vision, we, don't, we can't waste the time. Or we can't have the luxury that they will understand. It's okay if they don't have the skills, but as long as they have the potential. Now more than ever, don't choose people with skills, but choose people with, with, with the potential, the desire to thrive, the desire to go faster in your company or whatever team you build around you. Um, uh, yeah, that's what I wanted to say for this. I want to jump in on that. I want to, I want to sorry, John Scott, do you want to pick it up? Um, okay, so I was, I was going to add to a, a layer to what you just said. You know, we talk about, you know, earlier on the chat, I just threw a word, I said, we need to inspire you know, not motivate. I mean, organizations now have to stop. And, and I don't say that as, as imperative, but just look at the energy we all waste, like you just said, where, where energies are not matching. Well, there is ways to work around that. That is, is, is ensuring that we have, we do have a value. We do have values in place, first and foremost, right? And no longer is, is just five words going to work. It's really about living values. Is our corporate culture really alive? 
And are we bringing in people who are driven by the same purpose? Are they, are they here to create impact? So I'll go back to one of the biggest differences. You know what I've seen is this generation and maybe the one before this is we've been so inspired by books is that we need to read a book to tell us to operate through the heart, John Scott. Is that scary? <laughs> right? I mean, I mean this is, is this the reality of where we're showing up? I mean, do we have to tell you to show up from the heart when isn't that the only space we should be showing up as visionaries, as impact makers? And then if you really want to measure how many products we bring to the market, how digital do we go, how do we innovate? Then the question we need to be asking, the, the question that I think is imperative here is how are we creating impact and how is it visible? What impact are we creating and how can we create it now? When you bring yes. that urgency to your thought process, you start to find innovative ways to think out of the box. You know, I, I had this conversation the other day with someone who said, I want to drive my team to have more energy because I know they're dealing with, I said, well, tap into that purpose. He goes, wait a second, how do I tap into that purpose? Because we have our mission statement. I said, wait a second, do you have your purpose in place? And he goes, um, I said, okay, let's start there. If you can start with your purpose and know why you're doing what you're doing, I'm sure we can recorrect your, your, your vision statement a little. So we know why your company is doing what they're doing. And every single person that organization also should be driven by their own purpose and your organization should help them meet it. And finally, if we all are aligned that way, can you imagine the impact we can create and then you measure it, right? So this is the question that we need to start to ask ourselves is are we as organizations creating impact and is it visible, right? And that's where I feel the wheels will start to turn. Agreed, agreed. And I think it's interesting, you know, we, I, I read something recently which I, I couldn't have thought was any more appropriate, which said, when we're talking now about strategy and implementing new strategies in, in, the, in real time, things, the pace of change is so accelerated. And I read something really uh, recently about CX and about employee engagement and employee experience. And it said, if, if your employee engagement relies on everyone being in the office, you have a leadership issue, not employee engagement issue. And that is so spot on. So I'm working with organizations now about how to engage their teams, how to have them working more more uh, productively and more aligned to, because they're geographically dispersed. And as we look at the chat now, we talk about the move from like VUCA to BANI, right? You know, how do we look at like brittle, anxious, nonlinear, um, what's the other one, Incom incomprehensible, I think something like that. I think if we look at this, these are all really active and present for so many of us in the world. So if we try to translate this from the, uh, you know, and the soft side to the hard side, because I can just hear all of my C-suite clients saying, this is all really great and we believe it's important. And guess what? My P&L is, is all over the place. You know, my, my P&L is, is in 75 directions and I'm now I've let go of a whole team. You know, to Arnaud's point, it's so, it's so critical. I know the organizations I work with, there's a very high percentage that has let go of almost an entire level. Is in addition to other people all over, there's people who have shown themselves Good, you know, good and bad uh, to be productive and, and essential. And there's also to the other side, and I saw this in the chat earlier, there's been a group who've shown themselves to be superfluous. I hate to sound so simple and trite about it, but you know, when, when at the beginning I found everyone was on the Zoom, right? We had the whole team on the Zoom. And then, you know what, I need to get things done. So you know what I need? I need Arno, I need, uh, I need Sharad, I need Rajiv, and the four of us are gonna talk and make decisions. And guess what? Number six, number eight, number 10, who was on the call beforehand, we realize a week goes by, two weeks go by, and we're thinking to ourselves, what are they doing? Like, how, how are they driving the future of the organization? How can they look at the brand new ways of working, right? Are they going to come forward with us or are they part of the finite thought process that we were stuck in? Because here's the thing, and I'll wrap up on this point and kick it back to you guys. These were supposed to set us free, right? We, we, all they did, in my opinion, was all they did was give us access to each other 24 hours a day. And it, it, and it, it blurred the line from home and work and productive and rest and play and family. And now, now we have this real world example, none of us wanted, none of our organizations were prepared for, to say, now we have to say, okay, how do we define work? What does work mean for us? And again, I can hear my C-suite clients and my phone is already blowing up with text messages through a few of them saying, well, yeah, but I have a P&L, I have a board, I have, I have shareholders too. too. They, the shareholders want, their, they're all panicking. How do, we, how do we do this? So we have to find that balance between, you know, making sure people are engaged, making sure, and I see this in the chat as well, 
uh, we, we're looking at this from a human perspective more so than ever. And I think, you know, one of the most profound conversations I had was just a few days ago with a, a C-suite client of mine who was by all accounts, a, you know, a hard driving uh, CFO of a person. And he said, you know, my team is really productive remotely and the CEO and the board want everyone back in the office because they're justifying their fixed CapEx and in the 20 year lease they have. You know, I feel super empathetic to my clients in the, in the commercial retail space because I don't know what they're gonna do. So for organizations that have this enormous fixed CapEx that they're tied to, how do they, how do they justify the space? And I said, well, that's, the space is there. That's, that, more people in there is not making it any less expensive. I know in your mind, it makes it more rationally you know, appropriate, but you, you can't have everyone in the office when people are afraid, people are scared, people are still nervous, people are still managing and juggling their kids. I mean, Arnaud and Rajiv, I know you guys have little ones. I mean, so you have to juggle this all in this mix, you know, and the flip side of it is my daughter and son just started new jobs. They're out of uni for a year or two and they're working remotely. You know, they're, they're, they're working remotely. They have their lunch break. They go outside, they take a walk, they finish up. Guess what? Their commute is 10 seconds. Their commute at the end of the day, beginning of the day to lunch from lunch. So how do how did they you're gonna to say to them now, you know what, commute an hour each way, five days a week, and sit in the office and 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 wait for things to do or find things for you to do. So I think it's it's really a humongous paradigm shift in so many directions. So I'll kick it back to you, uh, Arno. I'd like to actually bring in the community angle to this conversation. I mean, pandemic has made us practice uh, social distancing, etc. But I think we are more connected to people than ever before right to our uh, team uh, to our family to our community and uh, this bonding has kind of helped i mean i've been working from home throughout ever since this pandemic hit right and i find i know more about what's happening in my family now than ever before because i used to be out for those eight ten hours right and was never there and now you seem to relate better you become more empathetic automatically because you relate to real issues and I think uh, the community has a very important role in wellness, uh, in mental health issues that some people are facing uh, day in, day out, working from home with the same kind of schedule, uh, no interaction with anybody else. So what do you guys think about what organizations can do? Do they need to hire professional teams and professional organizations to deal with this crisis? I think it's a crisis of sorts. Oh, for me, it comes down. I don't know if you see the your magic paper. Yeah, magic paper. I love it. Culture of yeah. I like it. Yeah. So it's for me community. I mean, it's it's the the master word. I mean, I spend so much time in tribes and everything I've done, uh, or we've done as a team was around culture and culture of courage. Is this is what is the mix of traditions of rituals and this. You might need a coach, but you can just meet someone, the most people officer within your company. We install rituals. And again, many of you see, or you think it's a waste of time because they don't work during the time of a ritual. It might be half a day, one day. Guess what? It's going to work long-term. So you might, yes, lose a few days. Long-term, a culture of courage is for me, just a mix of very, very positive tradition and, 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 uh, and ritual so we can increase creativity and risk. I mean, just in your zone, I've done a bunch of work for Kareem in Dubai and those guys, it's exactly this. I mean, they spent the entire management, 200 people a few years ago before being bought out for $3 billion just with everyone so they can learn from each other. And, and, and we had to convince a few people in the company that those time will work we will we'll save them years of, of maybe of, of non-engagement. The more you get people close together, whether it's through a coach and, and, and psychologist, ritual, online training like we do now, whatever, those really good webinar where you know you have four coaches for the price of one and free today, you gotta go for it, right? When you know you get a cocktail of, of positivity and you won't waste one minute, because going back to one of your points earlier, we can't waste. And, and as you say, I have a three years old now. So every minute of my life is counted now. 
right? It has to be really good fun. And I know fun and joy, it's good, you know, a shot of joy and a shot of fun gets me going. And then a shot of good business gets me going financially, right? And I need both. To buy, and we all need both. And for a company, you need a shot of joy for your employee, a, a shot of positive culture, whatever, whatever way we do. It's such a great point, Arnaud, just to jump in for a second. I think beforehand, before, you know, I actually thought of myself, like, what are, the, what are the lessons of coronavirus? What are the lessons of this time? And I think what you touched on is, is so essential, which is, I think beforehand, and this is, this is my observation, I'll own this and I'll say this, many of the leaders and organizations I've worked with, while, and I think, I think Rajiv touched on it earlier, like I would say to you, you know, hey, how, how's, a, how's the family? And it became, it became a quick, almost like um, formality, you know, oh, good, they're good, let's get into the subject matter. And I think to a large degree, many organizations were like this when it came to anything that wasn't affecting business. And that is impossible today because you have such a, a humongous groundswell of leaders and of employees and of organizations who now, guess what? They have time with their families. They have time avoiding commuting. The impact on the environment has been tremendously positive. And so I know where I live near the beach, um, I see the, 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 the rabbits that would run away from me when I ran in the morning. They're just kind of sitting there now with, in groups kind of looking going, yeah, he's, uh, he's just running by. It's, it's wild. So when you look at this now, this, this interplay between home and work and life and passion and health, and I mean health in as, in as broad a sense as possible, these are all factors organizations were to a degree, maybe not ignoring, but you know, pushing to the side. Like when I hear the terms soft skills, it always frustrates me because guess what? Organizations are run by people who have emotions, who have needs, who have uh, desires, who have passions, who have purpose. And if we ignore those things because we think they're soft skills, uh, the organization is going to suffer. Clients are going to suffer. Shareholder value is going to suffer. So now we have this incredible confluence of uh, you know, people, passion, and, and purpose. And I think we've touched on it over and over again. So how does that land for you, Rajiv? What do you think? I love it. I love what we're saying. Obviously, we all are aligning to this. But there was an amazing comment, and I wanted to address that. And the comment was, you know, we are all speaking about organization side of things. What about the human? Yeah, what happens to a person? And I think for, we need to address that, obviously. We are, when we speak organizations, I think we always take it for granted. This is always leadership process driven, but not today's conversation. Today, you have to be human to show up in an organization. So we're not speaking from the, from the hat of just being, you know, sitting on the leadership uh, uh, thought process or, you know, a, a macro, but we're really zooming into the micro of this, of, of the way we're working as humans first. Yeah. You know, so what is it, what is it telling us? It's telling us that the new generation, someone put a comment of a new generation coming in. So yes, there's, there's new expectations, but guess what? The reality is absolutely the same for every generation today. COVID is a reality for all of us. It's reinvented the wheel for so many things, right? What is it giving us? It's giving us a brand new opportunity. Of course, when you look at things from a, from a space of gratitude and say, wait a second, what can we take away from this? Business, humans come first. That's, that's a big lesson. And what does that mean? Like you said, John Scott, bang on. Emotions, yes, tick. We need to now understand them. We have to stop asking this question. What's the ROI on, on you know, these soft skills? And Because you know what? Science has done that already for you. Just to make an effort, you find the returns on you know, investing on your people. But as a human, coming in the door of an organization, you, you mentioned your kids, right? And there's a lot of us now, my kids are just like, like are not, my kids are really small. But I want to give them that opportunity tomorrow to go out there and live their dreams, right? However that is, right? Then you read, you read pre-pandemic engagements at organizations. Wasn't that scary for all of you? 85% of people were disengaged at work. Doesn't that send a flag somewhere, yeah. right? Uh, what is that telling us? People are going to work, but they're not loving it. Is that what it's sending a message? Yeah. As, as Arnold, you are a CEO, you, you started your organization. I'm, I'm one, I have my organization, but I want everybody to love what they do, right? I want them to be inspired to go out there and make an impact, right? So that's each and every single one of us needs that, right? To drive us. Now we're working from home. The people that we love, if you're fortunate enough to live with them, are in the same room with us and the same, you get to see them. You can have a meeting with your kids on your lap. Could you guys do that two years ago? I mean, you can now, 
And, and a lot of those walls are falling. It tells us vulnerability and trust, authenticity are coming to the table now and people are willing to listen. Yeah, it takes courage. I think, yeah, I think it takes courage. And I think we're seeing people stepping into that space of courage more regularly now than I think they did previously. And I think that's a real challenge. And, it, and I think for organizations to thrive going forward, I saw something I want to go back to because it was in the chat a while up. If we can quantify the cost um, of, of this Good question. And, yeah. and it's, it's interesting because I, I think it's, it's so difficult to get your arms around, but there's also the human, co human cost and the, and the real hard cost. I think for leaders to look at this and say, how can we harness the power of community in a decentralized place? So how do we take our teams? I, and really, how does this change going forward? I, I'll own this. I, have, I had a meeting a few weeks ago when, and we're all vaccinated. And we said, you know, should we meet in person? And I was like, oh, amazing. Let's, maybe we'll meet in person. This is crazy. It was the first time I was having this conversation. And guess what? My morning started off and, and we all started off and we kind of messaged each other. He said, let's meet on Zoom because I didn't want to dedicate an hour of commuting and an hour commuting home and missing out on my uh, workout. And I wanted to listen to a podcast my friend was on. And I said, uh, uh, no, uh, and this is going to be a challenge. It occurred to me that I was representing part of the challenges we're going to face going forward, which is if it's so convenient, you know, it, aside from being necessary in the past, now it's convenient. Now it's, it's changed everything. You know, a lot of my work, as we, we spoke about in our know, and I know all of us have done this, which is large scale events, large scale uh, transformation. And how can we harness the power of this collective where we once did it in person and effectively into the new way of working. So how can leaders lead as well? Let me just take a look here uh, at Arundhati uh, experiences. How are leaders, how are leaders who are reluctant for this connecting, a uh, connection making changes? What are the three things to do to make it happen? It's like, I'm gonna pick this question out and ask all of us. As coaches, how are leaders who were reluctant for this connection making this change? And I think I'll, I'll go real quick. Everyone I talked to was reluctant for this change. They were wanting, uh, I remember going, Really, we have to, we have to, uh, this is going to be all of April. You know, we have to wait till May to get back to normal. Um, and then it was June and then it was fall. Right. Who knows? Right. Uh, what do you think? Right. Two, two things. Uh, I, I remember the work, the words of Mark Cuban, the American businessman, owner of baseball team, uh, you know, the guy on Shark Tank a, a few months ago. I think it was May, two, three months in the pandemic. And he said, you know, in the next 18 months, I think he says something along the line of 30% of leaders basically will die, which means, you know, we'll just not go to the next phase. Those who try to retain, and he's a big businessman, right? 50,000 employees, I think all of his firm. He said those will try to retain all employee by just coercion force, just trying to not inspire them, but just trying to asking more, asking more, asking more, instead of looking for potential, again, just trying to result. And they said they will die. They will not understand the phase we're in. We need to, it's been said so many times. I mean, I, we work with HR. This is what 100 HR globally told us the last few months. I don't know if you guys see, emotional intelligence, right? Courage. Conscious leadership, diversity and inclusion. The same HR that pre-pandemic didn't really believe in those would only provide trainings around those lines for those who are really asking about conscious leadership, really want about diversity and feminine leadership. And now they know they have to go to what I call the essential skills, what we call the soft skills, right? So those who, once again, take the time to take distance and say, I invest in that so I can get future leads, so I can get more productivity, just accept. I mean, I was on the phone with 14 procurement officers on Friday in European company. And, and I usually don't, I usually talk to the HR department, but it was sort of a test. And all of them say, all of us are burned out. All our employee on burnout and all of the business unit manager want employee to come back for more results. We don't know what's going to happen between June and September. 
The employee don't want to come back. They depress. There's numbers uh, thrown out by uh, a burnout specialist that 30% of employees are in the process of being burned out. 30%. So if you if you just ask him more, they just they're just not gonna produce. It's so just take a time. Only those who you only fire those who don't want to change, don't want to. To, I don't get, I don't care if they don't do anything, but as long as they want to change, they have the potential, they understand the vision, they just say, I mean, one of my conference speaker, one of my trainer told me, you know, he said, I'm in a burnout and he's a trainer. Give me a few more weeks and I go back. Fine. Just be transparent. I'm fine. I know you're going to deliver. Fine. Let's cancel everything with you. It's just, it needs time to totally rest. We cancel everything with him. He's going to come back. He's got the energy. I give him the power to feel. Those who basically don't want to change anymore say, I'm not going to do anything anymore. Th those you have to, I think, worry a, a little bit. I think, I think I'm not. Uh, the, yeah, go ahead, uh, Rajiv. No, I was just saying that uh, we are in an always-on economy, right? The gig economy. And it's very important for us to know when to switch off. Otherwise, burnout is inevitable. So each one of us has to uh, make that call in terms of when we sign off from work, because working from home, it's an ongoing thing, right? So you need to have those pockets where you simply don't answer, you know, check your emails or stay away from WhatsApp. And if you don't do that digital detox, it's uh, going to get to all of us, right? Yeah, I had, you're making me laugh, uh, Sharab, <laughs> because I had a call last week with uh, one of the, the C-suite I coach, and he was frustrated with another person there who I coached previously, who was uh, one of his direct reports. And he said, you know, they're not responsive. And uh, he went on and on and on. And I sent them a message and it, it took them two hours to get back to me. So I let him talk and I asked him, what time did you send the message? He goes, well, what difference does that make? I said, well, it makes a big difference. He goes, well, I messaged them on Sunday at, uh, at 8.30 at night. And they, they waited until almost 11 to respond. I said, but they responded on Sunday night. I said, I said that you're not paying them enough to be on, you know, 24/7. And there's no, no one should ever be on 24/7. And I love asking CEOs this question when they say, I work, you know, I work all the time, and I'm in the office at six. I used used to be in the office at 6 a.m. and I would stay there till 10 o'clock at night, 11 o'clock at night every day, and then work all weekends. And I would ask them, I say, which one or both of these is your job structured inefficiently, and or are you incompetent? And like no one ever hit them hit them with that question. And I think like, that's insane. It's an insane thing. I think 30% burnout or no is a low uh, estimate in terms of low estimate. possible now because everyone is trying so hard to justify their jobs, right? They're, they're saying, okay, well, I need to be showing that I'm working. There's this presupposition, which is false, that if I'm in the office, I'll quote the office, physical office, and I look across the room and I see Arnaud at his computer and I see uh, Rajiv on the phone, and I see Sharad uh, typing something and talking to someone that, oh, everyone, okay, everyone's working. Guess what? Arno's making travel plans for his uh, family <laughs> to go away. Uh, Sharad is on, on the phone trying to arrange what's for dinner with his wife in the middle of projects. And, uh, and Rajiv is sitting there trying to figure out how to get on the phone with, Raj, with uh, Sharad and Arno because they're busy doing other things. So it's very interesting to me to, to this false, uh, false level of comfort that leaders have had when they just see in the office. I just need to see them in the office. And again, as I said previously, which is something I didn't say I read, which is if you need to engage your teams in the office as the means of engagement, you have a leadership issue, not an engagement issue. So oh, how do we do this going forward? It's really fast. John Scott, I think there's two words that we need to talk about there. And that's basically autonomy and accountability. And, and so there's all these tools in this magic hat, right? That everyone has access to. But when we talk about these long working hours and, and this is what it needs to be for me to be accountable. The question is, everybody has a different pace of working, right? So, so again, the studies where someone needs to work out in the morning has a, you know, he has to have a, a, a different, you know, uh, schedule than somebody else. Everyone works at different pace and everyone has a different optimal level, right? So if, if you look at this, this last two years, what have we found? We found people working from home. Many of them have been, it's very conducive for many people. They're actually producing, you know, they're showing up accountable and the, the results are, I mean, there is organizations out there and people 
who feel that they are actually performing really well. What are we better, lacking? Better connections. I mean, is increased for a lot. Yeah, absolutely. So th that's one aspect of this. The second part is the the autonomy, right? So we we discuss about autonomy. Your scheduling, how you do that. Two is the the accountability. Can you be accountable for what you're here to do, right? But three, the most important thing is why why is a burnout also happening? I mean, we talk about burnout. I throw it back to you. Eighty five percent of people a few years ago were disengaged at work. What Gallup said. Now you're telling me someone says forty percent. I think it's a little higher. Are burnt out. Not only do they not want to be there, but now they're exhausted. They can't be there. So what does that tell you? How important is the well-being of everyone now at work? You know, can we ignore it? My next question to everybody is, so someone asked me, what about mental, what, what, what is next? I said, well, mental well-being. We need to proactively look at this now. The, the world is telling us right off, we need to now show up and start to pay attention to, yes, the health of our employees is important, but more importantly, also our mental well-being. Are we, are we proactively taking, you know, taking that into consideration? You know, what else are we doing as an organization, as a person to ensure that we have balance? You know, everyone talks about work-life balance, throwing it out to you guys. Sherrod, I'll throw it to you. Work-life balance, it's changed now, right? I mean, you're working from home, yeah. right? What does that look like? What's, what's that work-life balance? Actually, work you know, uh, the truth is I love it. You know, am I looking forward to going back to office and working? Answer is no, because, you know, it's so comfortable. I work at my own pace. I, I know my productivity hours, right? And I'm with the family. I save time commuting. The planet is greener. I just commented in the chat, right? With less cars on the road and less planes in the skies. You can, you can now see clear skies like never before. Look at China, look at uh, New Delhi, look at uh, India. For the first time now, uh, there is fresh air to breathe. So there are so many pluses that we are overlooking because we are getting caught in this trap that, hey, post COVID, can we survive? Uh, will we be there uh, at the end of the tunnel to see that light? And one important thing for all of us in this room is that tough times never last, but tough people do. So each one of us needs to toughen up in our own ways, right? And we will, we will be on the other side. It's a matter of time. Nobody knows that magic answer. But if we are well prepared, then we are in a better shape to take care of whatever happens next, right? So there have been so many positive learnings out of the last 12 months. And each one of us now, I think after sharing our life's experiences, uh, we can create our own roadmap, getting back to our uh, topic on hand uh, I would like each one of you to give your comments in terms of two or three practical tips that everybody in the audience can actually uh, use when they go away from this webinar in their day-to-day -day life when they plan their future activities. So yeah. I throw it back to any any of you who would like to take the ball. Great. I'll, I'll talk about um, what I mentioned earlier and as we bring it back to creating your roadmap for the next 12 months. I would encourage everyone on the call to think about this specifically, infinite versus finite mindsets, and the learning. And this goes back to uh, you know the the authors of that book, because uh, Simon Sinek wrote a adaptation of the original Cars book. So, infinite learning uh, is a, is in the moment, evolutionary, present, and up to, up to date. It's constantly evolving, growing. It's required for all of us as leaders uh, and driving our organizations to future success. The past paradigm of finite has been based on previous learning, previous paradigms, and guess what? It will never work. So I encourage all of you and all the people on the call watching this uh, to think with an infinite mindset, expansive mindset, and how you can take all the learning in the moment and going forward and try not to put cement around everything and say, well, uh, this is where we are. And let's, let's drill into the ground and the foundation. This is evolutionary. So it's evolutionary and revolutionary. We have to keep moving and keep agile. Uh, and I'll say one closing point. We talk about harnessing the emotions of our teams. Um, I, someone I worked with years ago gave a wonderful definition of emotions. And she said, emotions are energy in motion. If we look at the, the need for energy in organizations and our teams, and we realize that that energy comes from emotion in motion, it's really a, a game changer for leaders and organizations. And I'll kick it over to you guys now. You, I, um, 
That's a bit too much, too much point, but here we go anyway. Basically, I'll read it. It's sort of hard to. Yep. You can see, right? Um, moving. Online training, coaching and residence to teach courage. You can actually teach courage. Mentioning, you know, those 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 story John told us. So teach story of anchor of of uh, of risk taker of courage. Have your employee with book biographies. Have storytellers coming and and really listening them and and moving them right with emotions. Think ecosystem, right? Think in terms of economy, com, uh, in terms of co community and ecosystem. Who do you have access to and who has access to who you need to, right? Not just locally, but globally. Ecosystem, ecosystem. Diversify, not one product anymore, three, five product, right? We should all put everything in the same plate, right? We used to say focus, focus, focus. The only thing you need to focus on your, on your core, on your why, yes. On your purpose, yes. Yet, build three, four, five different products. And, because we've been talking so much about this, innovation, it's true that virtually we can all work, execute. From time to time, you, to, to innovate, you will still need to meet. This is how we decide this seminar, guy, webinar, because we met in Dubai two months ago or something, right? And the four of us, let's, let's do that, right? There was this energy. I mean, I just visit an innovation center called the Camp, uh, 80 million structure in France. It's been an innovation center for the last few years. You know, post-COVID, <clears throat> you still need more innovation than ever, yet less people want to come. So what do we do? Sure. Perfect. Thanks. I, I love that. And then I'm going back and re-emphasizing these words. I mean, I... I Someone asked me the other day as well, it's like, you know, we've got so much on our plate. We're really stressing about, you know, what's going to happen in the next 12 months and then addressing the human element. You know, now more than ever, ask yourself if you haven't done it, one in two CEOs around the world and people have not worked on their own purpose. So guys, start to ask that question. Get that intrinsic driver because that is on your side. And then, of course, everyone write the word goals. Goals is really important. But, you know, especially now, more than ever in the next 12 months, Celebrate the small wins, set up what are the small goals you're going to achieve. What is that big, hairy, audacious goal that you really want to hit? You know, Arnaud's got this, uh, you know, really nice and, you know, huge goal. We all have them. But, but, you know, as we keep on ticking away the small ones, we're moving, we're moving, we're moving. And this feels good for us as humans to keep on moving, not to be, on, I mean, still has purpose, right? But movement also, keep yourself fluid. And then the connection element. You know, we need to continue to reach out and connect with people. Yes, in some places we can't meet face-to-face. -face. You know, Zoom helped us. It helped us make these connections happen, right? Social connections are very important. We all understand that. So we need to keep on tapping into that. I wrote, nurture your trust, guys. We have to start to, like you work on your courage, you start to work and, and nurture this, you know, your, your, your muscles, start to build trust. But finally, the most imperative thing is bring love to work you've got to start to realize that love doesn't only belong at home. We have to, have to, all of us do that. Guys, I have my last slide also ready. And mine is very simple message. Life is 10% what happens to you and 90% how you react to it. Uh, I would like to sum up with that. Um, recalibrate your plans, right? And uh, bake in flexibility into those plans because we are on shifting sands. Nobody knows the answer what's next, but if we are well prepared, we'll be able to handle whatever comes our way. On that optimistic note, it's time to thank our speakers. John Scott, thank you. I owe you one. Arnaud, I owe you two. And Rajiv, I owe you three. <laughs> it's been an amazing panel. Our audience, thank you for investing your time with us. And I do want to promise you that we are seriously considering to keep what's next going, right? In terms of planning another webinar. So stay connected, stay tuned with onlywebinars.com. That's where we'll be announcing our future activities. And there'll be a recording of this webinar available tomorrow for those who could not make it uh, today. And uh, Finally, time to say bye. Can I request all our speakers to just hold up their final slide on the screen? So uh, we have somebody who's going to help us with uh, this.
this slide. So this is our final takeaway uh, for our audience. John Scott, where's yours? Right, infinite versus finite. I get that. So thank you, audience. You've been amazing, very participative. Stay safe, and uh, we'll see you soon on the other side. Bye for now.